There is no place quite like Queens. As the world becomes increasingly aware of the magic that exists in this outer borough, it is important to share the stories that matter to its people. I want to take you on a journey through our world, to see through our eyes what shaped our communities, and to hear our voices. This is a Queen story. Episode 101, Our Lady of Sorrows. I wanted to start this series with a story from my hometown, Corona. I've seen it shift into the diverse community it is today. As with all change, it was not without its share of opposition. The racial tensions were high during its transformation, leading to one of the most vicious attacks on an innocent young man. A young Dominican-American, Manuel Maia Jr., a student at Queens College, who was killed for allegedly drawing graffiti on a park bench. Let me share a brief history about the multicultural neighborhood Corona, Queens. Corona was first established in 1854. What was once a rich natural oasis began to transform after developers saw the potential for an urban community. Corona paved the way for the development of communities in Jackson Heights and Forest Hills. It wasn't until 1872 when it was given its name to differentiate it from its sister community in Flushing. The neighborhood began to take shape as it was settled by immigrant communities, including Italians, Germans, and Irish. And in the late 1950s, Dominicans began migrating due to political unrest. The 1980s saw the largest influx as waves of Dominicans and other Latin immigrant communities began to make their place occupying the area amid pushback. This was a tense time in the neighborhood. As people who were not used to living together were forced to accept each other, many of the people here did not take well to the change in their community. At this point in time, Italian Americans had been predominantly populating Corona dating back to World War II. The Italians made Corona their home, bringing traditions and customs into their new community. William F. Moore Park, Spaghetti Park, was the gathering spot. Bocce was played and members of the community would spend time there. Fast forward to the 1990s, a difficult time for the city as a whole, and race relations have reached a boiling point. Who is Manuel Mai Jr.? Manuel Maia Jr. was a Dominican-American college student, born October 14, 1972 in Brooklyn, New York. Before beginning his studies at Queens College, Manuel had an illustrious tenure at Newtown High School. He was a triple threat at sports, excelling in soccer, basketball, and football. All the while, he maintained excellent grades, graduating with honors. Manuel was special. He knew what he wanted for his life and pursued a degree in engineering. Manuel lived on 96th Street with his family in the area considered North Corona. He spent most of his time traveling between school and a job in the city. He was also known 
to visit his girlfriend, Rosa Diaz, who lived near Spaghetti Park. On March 29, 1991, Manuel was walking through Corona after leaving Rosa's house around midnight. According to witness accounts, he was approached by a group of white youths. As he was walking through the park, they began to attack him and chased him. They beat him in the middle of the park and forced him into a van and continuously beat him. Manuel was able to escape. Although he tried to defend himself, there were too many of them. By the time he was able to free himself, he had broken ribs and broken wrists. By the time he reached 108th Street and 45th Avenue, they began to beat him with weapons, including baseball bats and a fire extinguisher that was squirted into Manuel's eyes and mouth. Witnesses recalled the sound of wood striking and his agonizing screams. According to the medical report, the cause of death was a fractured skull and contusions of the brain due to blunt force impact. Manuel, in his last moments, was knocking on doors, screaming for help. Reports of the number of attackers were conflicting, and perhaps this is the nature of this case. At first, the numbers of attackers varied from 10 down to 5 and to finally three perpetrators that were arrested. The men facing criminal charges were Joseph Celso, Frank Celso, and Michael Garrett. Of those three men, only one saw days in court, Joseph Celso. Joseph Celso was 18 at the time of Manuel's murder. Celso lived on 48th Avenue. He was a senior at Christ the King High School and, according to friends, was a well-mannered young man. Allegedly, he never took drugs or alcohol and was relatively quiet and reserved. Many of his friends were shocked at the allegations and could not believe he was capable of such a violent act, nor that he was involved in any gang activity. Celso was indicted on a charge of second-degree murder. He pleaded innocent and was released on $50,000 bail. From the very beginning of this case, police did not want to label this as a bias attack. Authorities believed this to be retaliation for defacing public property near Spaghetti Park. Specifically, it was believed that Manuel stopped near Parkside Restaurant and wrote May 7 on the side of the building with a marker. This has been the subject of controversy as many reports stated that Manuel wrote the alleged tag on a park bench. There was a concentrated effort to destroy Manuel's character through the media and the judicial system. Officers and reporters will make claims to the connection to a graffiti gang known as Ready to Rush. Authorities would claim Manuel was a proud member and spread his tag all around Queens. When he was found, he allegedly had Ready to Rush tagged on his leg. Manuel, the triathlete honor student, the future engineer was also a serial graffiti artist? Something didn't add up. Altagracia knew immediately something was not right. When reports started coming in about her son, she was in disbelief. You don't kill someone for graffiti, she stated, as she challenged the portrayal being painted of her son. This is not a motive. My son was a good boy. Someone has to pay for his death. 
Altagracia claimed Manuel was not a graffiti artist, and he did not belong to a gang. Altagracia kept his bedroom pristine after his death. She made an altar for him surrounded by candles and religious figures. His trophies and accolades and a fresh-pressed uniform hung on his closet door. She loved her son, and now she wants justice for her son. Stay tuned as we dig deeper into the trial of Joseph Celso, and we look into the activism of Altagracia Mai on the next This is a Queen Story.